0: Well, happy to be joined in the ESPN roundtable via Zoom today uh, with the defensive line coach at Montana State University, a Boise State alum, Byron Hout, joining us. Coach, thanks so much for being here. We really appreciate it. Uh, This year, obviously, has been very atypical. uh, But... It's also an interesting year on your with your position group because some outstanding players have graduated now from the Montana State defensive line. Derek Marks, obviously Bryce Sturck as well among them. When it comes to trying to replace the productivity, a guy like Kane Ione we talked to, he's like, you're not finding another Bryce Sturck, but you have to do it as a group just to replace that whole you know, kind of core that was there. Where are we at with that this year as you look you know, on, on, on what's there, who's coming back, and new guys that are going to have to fill some roles?
1: No, thanks for having me, guys. And and to answer your question, I think we're we're kind of in a, in a mode where I'd have to trust that these guys have been doing their their off season workouts. And and I know those those guys that you mentioned, Stirk and and Marks, have left a legacy in the guys before them. You know, Tucker and Tyrone, and and, and just the way the line has been built, that is the expectation to do a lot on your own, do extra, and so. You know, as a collective group, hopefully we get back and, and start fall camp and um, there isn't a lot of drop off. You know, these young guys are, are emerging and, um, you know, it's interesting because you, you mentioned you had had these guys leaving and they were, you know, key players. And I um, it's some places where that happens and and oddly enough, the next year you have more production. Um, you know, that was an, uh, an instance I even, you know, know, Coach Choate's been a part of that at Washington even. Um, and so it, it just, you know, every year you, you, you don't know um, and, and you'd like to sit here and think you got, you know, all these special tools and, and you feel really good about them. But a guy can you know go down like that. And, and so every week, and I think especially in the, the climate we're in, you just got to take it week to week. It's interesting watching your guys' group because I know that Coach Choate and your guys' whole staff put
2: such a high priority on both the offensive and defensive lines when you guys first got there. And that seems to be paying out. I mean, it seems like that's come to fruition. But just from, like, an intangible leadership perspective, it's interesting too, right, because you guys have had multiple captains on the D-line, and and it seems like even when you do lose a Zach Ryder or Tucker Yates, you have a couple guys waiting in the wings like Derek Marks and Bryce Stirk. How do you cultivate that
1: element of it and have guys be ready to step into leadership roles so quickly? Um, again, it goes goes down to trusting that those those players are, are having the positive interactions with each other um, throughout. You know, as a senior, as the freshman, that 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 senior's taking that freshman from day one, and and having a conversation out out on the way to practice. You know, just making them feel part of the team, and then it progresses from there. So so now the the, the senior and the freshman trust each other, and now they can build that bond, and and so you know when when that freshman turns out to be a senior he's going to remember that and 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 so that's kind of how it starts and then it progresses through their their work ethic and and these guys uh having a tremendous work ethic and doing a lot on their own so they they like to get together in groups of 3 or 4 and and do you know workouts they're just obsessed with it and so um having having those guys in that work ethic and and that being instilled like i said going back to so when Brownlow was here, you know, um, I was, you know, I was just very fortunate enough to kind of have some great senior leadership all the way through uh, my time here, and 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 so it's a snowball effect, right? It's not something that you you build and, and just go back to square one. It just just builds on each other. So that so now every year is the new standard, is the new expectation.
0: Byron Hout joining us, defensive line coach at Montana State for the ESPN Roundtable, and Byron, you've been at MSU now since 2016. You're one of the veterans on the staff. And mm-hmm. you're the old dog. That's right. Uh, when you first started, Ty Gregrak was the D.C. Now it's been Kane Ione. You've been with him for a year going into uh, year two. What's, what does he bring? Obviously, one of the all-time great Bobcats. But as a coach, leader of a defensive staff, what does he, what does he bring to the table? Uh,
1: you know, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a story about Kane. When I first got here, um, when he was the linebacker coach, you know, I think, I think one of the, the pieces of advice he gave me was just, you know, be yourself, you know, just, just be you, you know, when you're coaching, just be you. Cause, uh, people kind of see through that and, and you gotta be comfortable doing it. And, and I think as a young coach hearing that, um, kind of shaped me into who I am. You know, I, I am very confident in, in myself and, um, he probably doesn't remember that conversation, but I think. Kane is such a wise, uh, guy. It, he's, he's just so wise. He just has those little nuggets of advice. And, and if you just listen, um, you're going to pick up on something from him. So, um, that's been really fun. And then just as a, as a scheme guy, he's so organized and, and, and we do things so collectively together, um, that, that he, it's been really fun and, and a great experience for me.
2: So interesting that Ken I played at Montana State, you know, almost 20 years ago now. I mean, 2000, 2003. But when he was playing, he was playing for Coach Kukaski, playing for Pete Kukowski, and then Pete Kukowski then goes on to play at Boy or coach at Boise State where you played. So do you guys ever, I mean, tell stories about Coach Kukaski? I mean, it's interesting that you guys are quite a bit of, of, apart in age, but have had the same coaches. That's it's it's kind of fascinating. So do you guys ever compare notes on what it was like playing
1: for those guys? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm. It's so funny because you know, he, he was, he was at Washington too. So he, you know, he played, and then he right. was also, so as a coach and uh, you know, coach, coach would he's got his own, his own verbs and, 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 you know, his own uh, coach sayings. And, and so we might repeat those and, and have a laugh or two, but uh, you go up into the, the Bobcat uh, complex above the stadium there in, in the suites and you see all the history and you go, look through it and then, okay, there's Marcel Yates you know, who was, who was uh, the, the defensive backs coach and then the D coordinator when I was a GA. Uh, then you see Junior Adams, okay? He was the wide receiver coach um, at Boise State when I was a GA. And so it's, it's just funny to see all these kind of connections um, and, and the history and, you know, Dennis Erickson, you know, who I've run into multiple times in Coeur d'Alene, um, you know, just the, the, the history and the connection of this, this place, um, it's pretty cool.
0: You know, you uh, obviously played in the late 2000s or a great defensive uh, uh, line and employer for Boise State in your time there in the Mountain West. But it also seems, I mean, football seems to progress so quickly in terms of the new schemes and the new developments, X's and O's wise. I'm curious on the defensive line, how have you seen it? I mean, it seems the emphasis of getting over to the quarterback has always been very high, but it seems at an extreme now. And it used to be you got to come off the edge to do this. And now it's coming from everywhere, double A gap, blitzes, different things like that. So you as a linebacker, you know, rushing the quarterback, doing what you did as a player to now, how much have you seen the, the, the progression and what do you expect, what do you need to do as a defensive line in total in 2020?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I've noticed or maybe it seemed like when I was playing, uh, we were pri- primarily a four down uh, we got into the odd my senior year, going junior-senior years. So we have kind of made that transition to, to odd. And I think you see a lot more teams doing odd defenses now, uh, post-safety especially, uh, because it's a little bit tighter coverage, um, whereas, you know, it was four down quarters um, previously. And so um, the schematics, the tighter coverage, when you're talking about the blitzing and you do get into those odd fronts, a lot of teams are going to man-protect, and, and, you know, that's as opposed to uh, protecting gaps or an area. Um, and so that's tough too now because you're t- saying it's a one-on-one situation if you're man protecting. And so, um, you know, now you say, okay, I'm going to put my guy uh, against your worst guy because I know I can get a one-on-one situation. So it's just about, you know, finding those, finding the protection schemes. Um, but I would say that odd to, to four down maybe differences as picked up.
2: From a recruiting perspective, you, you know, you see it at the top down too. In the NFL – I think that 19 of 30 teams are running odd man fronts now. It seems like you can get more athletes. You don't have to have necessarily as many big guys. I mean, do you see that element of it? I mean, do you think you can just get more guys on the field that are maybe more quote
1: unquote normal body types? Yeah. You, you, you know, it's interesting. Um, When you, when you're running that odd though, you're, you're almost looking, you want that big, super nasty nose guard. That's going to take two eight gaps, right? And, and what you see in the NFL a lot of times, too, is, is uh, the end and the tackle are also pretty big bodies. Um, you, you know, if you're running a four down, you might not put that end at, at the four down at that defense. But he's, he is a true four-eye player. And so those three guys are big. But then you have the, okay, the Sam and, the, and the, outside, or the outside backers now, and that's where you're seeing those freak athletes. That's when you're seeing those guys that, hey, they can cover a, a guy, but they can also rush the passer you know, and so that's, that's where you're seeing that the the difference is now a guy that can rush the passer is also being able to cover um, pretty well. Speaking of guys
2: that it's so interesting, like Bryce Stirk playing the four eye and your guys' defense. I mean, he's obviously, he's a huge guy for the FCS, but even he's probably not big enough to play that position in the NFL, right? That's how big you have to be. But what do you think of just the way that he's going to try to have to make this transition in Miami? I mean, going from defensive line now to tight end, it seems like he has some innate skills, but also it's gonna be a big learning curve. I mean, as a guy that coached him his whole career, what do you think of this this, this transition he's facing?
1: You know, it'll be it'll be interesting um, to see where they they put him as is, is he gonna be a true inline tight end, which I think he probably is or you know, do they plan on flexing him out? I don't know. Uh, but uh, as far from a, a playing standpoint, Bryce was so good at reactions um so so he couldn't tell if a guy was really heavy and gonna come at him tough okay I'm just gonna lay that guy and so you know um he was really good at playing the game within the game I thought uh and and what they're gonna be asking him to do um you know uh, hopefully is pretty simple I I not not that he wouldn't be able to pick up anything but just from what I've heard the NFL they don't they don't like to over complicate a lot of stuff you know um and so I I don't think he'll have any problem picking up the tight end from the schematic point. I don't.
0: Byron Howitt joining us, defensive line coach at Montana State, been there since 2016, played football at Boise State uh, in the uh, late 2000s on what was not a very good Boise team. I think only 50-3. and was that the record <laughs> uh, over the course it, of your time it, there?
1: It was tough, man, <laughs> a lot of long, <a> long nights. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll get
0: into your time as a player here in just a minute, but I wanted to just dovetail what Coulter had asked, you know, when it comes to recruiting. Obviously, if you could put together, you know, your, your dream, Defensive line body type, and you put Aaron Donald in the middle, and you put, you know, Lawrence Taylor on the outside or whatever, and you just go win games. But at the FCS level, it's a lot about projections when you talk about recruiting who you're going to bring in. And I know that versatility is huge right now in football in general, and you want it to be that too, but you find yourself having to find guys who are really good at something that's specific and use them in that way because. Just picking guys off the shelf that have the body and athleticism to be really versatile maybe isn't there at this level?
1: Um, y- yes and, and no. I mean, we're – I look at it maybe like this. Like, your, your, your pass rusher that you recruit, if he gets too big or isn't the greatest pass rusher, now you're moving him to a D end. Okay, if that D end you recruited, maybe he grew a little bit too much or, or in a good way, and now you're moving him to tackle. Maybe that tackle grew a little bit, you know, he, he really grew. Now you can move him to nose. And so, you know, you're hoping you're they, they just keep growing. And so you're, you're looking for, that's why I say that pass rushing kind of natural ability is what a lot of people look at because it's going to show the athlete. Um, and then you're looking at frame size, uh, you know, um, length, arm length, a lot of different factors go into it, but um the, the bottom line is, is, long, is, is again, it, your length and ability to bend and athleticism is, is a premium for us on the, on the D-line. And then it's just about putting you in the position on how big you're, you're going to get. Last question about the current state of affairs before we get into some of the
2: stuff about you. Uh, I mean, you mentioned wanting to have a big, mean guy on the inside first and foremost. And you guys have, in my opinion, maybe the biggest, meanest guy that's returning in the league in Chase Benson. Great story. I mean, he has an awesome story, a kid that, you know, I think that he's really come into his own as both a player and a person at Montana State. What have you thought is his development, and how primed is he for a big senior year?
1: I I think he's every year gotten better. And so um, if he continues that growth, he's going to have a big senior season. Um, I know he has been, you know, working out in his his garage all all, all during this time, and now he's back in the workouts, and, and still doing some at home. So, um, he he's he looks good. He, his weight's up, and and uh, you know if he's gonna he's gonna be healthy and, and in the best shape of his life. Come come August, let's hope.
0: Two tail ESPN Radio, the ESPN Roundtable with Byron Hout, the defensive line coach at Montana State, and Coach wanted to talk with you, obviously now about your time as as the Bronco and your playing time at Boise State. Uh, Boise State has been a, a, a great and perhaps the best sort of group of five or mid-major football school of the last 15 to 20 years. But at the time that you were there, I mean it was even a high water mark for the Broncos. You go 50 and three during the time, you go to the festival in 2009, which you played in. Were you aware, as a player at the time, the anomaly that it was to be doing this at Boise State, or did you just go, "Hey, this is what we do"? Everybody else has got no idea.
1: I mean, in in a way, yeah, we 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 uh, we worked hard. We worked hard, and and we we uh, had that confidence in ourselves that, um, you know, we were we obviously hadn't lost a lot, so so. You're going into a game very confident, but knowing you're going to get everybody's best. And so it's almost – it's a it's, – it, the more you win, the more the stakes are on the table, right? Right? And so every week it gets, it gets higher and higher. Uh, that, that pressure gets higher and higher. and So, you know, you kind of felt that as a, as a player at least, knowing the stakes, hey, you know, we, we win because that's what we do. And, and that's the expectation. Knowing that the whole anomaly – I mean, you're not thinking big picture. You're, you're really not um, – you're really just focusing on, on that week. It's, it's such a special
2: thing when it happens in college football. We've seen it at a few different places, whether it's Alabama, Clemson, Boise State, you know, Montana for a little while, the previous decade, North Dakota State this decade.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: How do you reach that point, though? Because it seems as if it's, it has to be instilled. You have to have a foundation. And then there's a tipping point where then people just kind of refuse to lose. And NDSU is kind of there right now. How do you reach that point? Though? What is the tipping point?
1: yeah i mean i i I want to equate it to again that snowball effect it's not you know it's something that as it gets going it gets bigger and bigger and and as we won it more and more, we got hungrier and hungrier for it you know because that the again the losses mean even more you know and and uh when you have that few of them and so winning was when when that mindset again and a lot of it was confidence it's just the way you carry yourself that that's a lot of people might want to call it swagger, whatever but that confidence in yourself um, I think has a lot to do with it so if you might get into a tight game you might be down in, in the fourth quarter but you have that confidence that you're going to win that that does a lot for you to come back you know maybe from a game and so um, I think you got to the culture, like you said, culture's got to be there. But once you start that that snowball effect of winning, every week just becomes more and more important.
0: You know, I want to ask you specifically about that festival that was in 2010 coming through the 20, 2009 season. You go against TCU, the number four team in the nation. But really what I'm interested in is just the experience as a whole because that is – the pinnacle even at that time of, of college football, the Fiesta I mean, it's as big as it possibly gets in that huge national stage. What was it like to to travel, to go play in the game, to have all the circus and the events surrounding it, and then and then ultimately to win in a great, you know, 17-10 victory?
1: Yeah, I mean, you're talking go to Tescano, Discon- you know, take the whole team to Tescanos, you know, on the Wednesday night before the game you know, eat 300 pounds of beef, <laughs> you know, the, the, yeah, disguise like an all you can eat Brazilian food place. Right. So they take, or maybe it was Foco de Chau, but anyways, they take it as this awesome restaurant. So you're getting treated like Kings and Queens for a week, basically. Um, you know, bowl, it, it's an unbelievable experience for, for the kids. And it's, it's, um, you know, it's like a second Christmas at that point. <laughs> you know, you had Christmas and then, and then you go and you have a second Christmas. At, uh, and then to finish it off that night, um, coming back to the hotel and, and, and just seeing some of the guys that you might not see again because they're seniors and leaving, right? And so, um, and everybody's kind of saying their, their farewells because you, you're not going to see each other for a couple more weeks, you know, on break. And so that's a big uh, enjoyment and, and, a, and a lot of, uh, bonding goes on. And, and so it's a, Unbelievable experience to be treated treated the way they, they they treat those guys. Now, Coulter and
0: I always argue about the bulls in FBS football and whether how 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 much they mean, how much they don't mean. Some of the smaller ones you go, okay, yeah. some of the big ones you're like, this is big time. We both agree that having a tournament to determine a national champion is ideal, which you get to do at the FCS level, but I continue to remain into the bulls as such at the FBS level as well. Colter not so much. So you tell me you've been on both sides of this thing. Where are we at with the Bulls and their relevance to teams that play in them?
1: Wow. wow. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, I honestly I don't think about it probably as much as you guys you know do which is, your, is which job. is we your job. Two you, hours you, <laughs> <I> mean, this <laughs> is what I this is what you guys gotta do. You gotta you gotta come up with the plan, <laughs> present the plan. Get us all on board. It'll be a grass, you know, roots movement, you know, that that that, that you guys are throwing down and, and hey, put we'll we you guys on the committee. They'll, they'll email it it.
0: Now. We've already written it. It's done.
1: It's done. Send the proposal. <laughs> <laughs> during, during your time
2: though at, at Boise State, it was uh, definitely a distinct culture that then, you know, Chris Peterson, that, that word is used so much with him, and, and you see it with the guys that came from that same, you know, UC Davis coaching tree, Dan Hawkins, and, you know, a whole bunch of other guys, Paul Hackett, guys that rose through the coaching ranks. But how similar is what you guys are trying to do at Montana State under Jeff Cho to what you guys had at Boise State?
1: Um, yeah, the, the, you know, culture piece, like you mentioned, that, that word um, – I'm sure every program is going to have a culture. Um, And, you know, when, when we thought about ours at Boise state, as it, as it kind of came from the team. And when we're doing it here at Montana state, this is a player run program. You know, we want this player driven program. We want to be, you know, have a lot of input. And so that's what we do. We sit down uh, with our team and and we collaborate on it. Okay. Uh, What, what is really important to our team brotherhood? Okay. Uh, Trust being competitive, uh, you know, winning all of our home games, whatever it may be that we come up with as a team. Um, it is that it is came up through a team. And so, uh, you know, it might change here or there. But I think the, the bottom line of um, trust and, and, and love your teammates and, and respect them, you know, um, and, and just some of the things of being a good human being uh, that, that is, is taught throughout throughout life that you need to go through Uh, maybe you haven't experienced that yet, you know, maybe it's, it's guys that they're 18, they've had it for 18 years. Maybe it's a guy that hasn't had that for any years of his life. And so that's the cool thing is you get, you get everybody from different spectrums and different out, uh, um, areas in, in that melting pot.
0: You know, it's interesting. Most coaches in football are former players of one sort or another, but most players don't ultimately go into coaching. And if you, you would certainly talk to people and know the grind that it is to be a coach, why was that the, the, the path that you wanted to choose and go down?
1: Um, I think for me, I've always wanted to help people. And, and like I said, getting enjoyment out of their enjoyment um, or, or seeing them learn or seeing something connect. Again, that's just for me. That's always been a passion of mine. Um, and getting to do that through football, um, you know, I was a, a communications major, wanted to be an education major. I started off as an education major, but had to switch um, because of my football career. Um, got a, a master's in special education. Um, and so the learning and, and really how things work in, in general, how the brain works, how this computer, that's always been a, a huge geek out You know, I always joke that I'm I'm a jock nerd. I'm like the the crossover, right? Um, I'm going to be the one that brings us together in the end.
0: (laughs) That's good. I like
1: that. (laughs) So you're a GA at
0: Wazoo for a year. Then you go back to Boise State. You're there for a couple years. But your first uh, coaching job, assistant coaching job, has been at Montana State. And you've been there five years. There's been a fair amount of turnover on this staff. And also just young aspiring coaches often – Aren't around all that long, so you really are a veteran. Why has it worked for you at Montana State with Jeff?
1: Um, for me, uh, I'm getting what I want. I am I am uh, reaching Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and so to speak. I, I have uh, a great place to live. I, I get to go to work where I love it, where my boss. Uh, I don't hate, you know, I, I, I enjoy my boss, um, that people in this town getting to talk to you guys, I mean, this is, this is awesome. And, and so I'm getting a lot of, of everything I want right now. And, um, you know, when you have all those boxes checked, uh, um, sometimes you got to self evaluate and, and reevaluate if those boxes aren't checked, but right now they are.
0: God bless you for bringing up Maslov's hierarchy. We have not had that yet. It's been I've been waiting. When is somebody going to use this?
1: I, I told you. I told you. I'm bridging the gap, man. Bridging
0: the gap, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Well,
2: last uh, last question on my side. The uh, it's been an interesting evolution for you too, as a guy who played linebacker in college, but then coached a different position. And not only that, but the head coach is one of the elite D line coaches in the country. And so I know the first couple of years. I mean, Joe can't help himself. He jumps into all the D line drills. He's always helping out with the D line. So learning from him, though, and growing under him, and now kind of growing yourself. And he gives you so much control of the room now. What's that part been like?
1: Uh, it's it's been great. Just the 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 process of of again, did year one. You know, sitting back and taking notes. You're you know, and I still take take notes every time. Um, and now we just play off of each other, too. We've gotten – so we, we know, is, is he about to come in and yell or is he going to be calm and I need to yell? You know, because you can't have – it's a good cop, bad cop deal, right? And, and so um, we can play off of each other that way. Um, I feel comfortable uh, uh, in, in asking him to do things for me, but at the same time, I'm not asking him to do as much. You know, I, I feel more confident in myself over the years to uh, have, have more of that responsibility on myself. And so um, it's always good, though, when I think your boss, you know, is, is has an eye on you. You know, it always makes you, you know, work that much harder, right?
0: Well, Byron, I'll tell you what, we really appreciate your time. Uh, we are optimistic and excited about football returning, as I know that you are as well, and we'll certainly look forward to watching uh, the Bobcats in general and your defensive line, and their, you know what they're able to do this you were pumped about it thanks so much
1: oh, thanks for having me and uh appreciate you guys go cats